This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Wednesday. It's hump day. That means it's a three-man show on Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. Welcome in. Thank you for joining us. We have with us today our fake Dr. Merrick Brave, and we're going to do something a little different this week. Since there isn't a game coming up this week, we we uh, broke out the film. We broke out the all 22. We went on ESPN. At least I did and went play-by-play. We're going to go through. We each have three what we're going to call them as highlighter plays. Plays that we thought really defined Miami's win over Cleveland on Sunday. But before I get into all of that, Joshua House, Merrick Brave, a.k.a. Froggy Fresh with your voice that seems to be gone. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Despite the uh, limited vocal cord range here due to my screaming at the top of my lungs at a concert all night last night. So listeners out there, don't worry for me. My my health is is uh, is fine. I'm in peak form here outside of this uh this froggy voice, but uh, we'll power through, you know, I'll take it one segment at a time and, and put my best foot forward and and hopefully entertain the masses here. Yeah. And I got a teething baby on my lap and two, uh, a three and a five-year-old behind me. So um, it could get ugly here, but dude, I'm just glad that we can all come on here. Um, I thought it was funny that you said three dudes just getting together on hump day, but um, seven and three guys. Uh, I'm just glad we were able to break down this film because some of these plays really were, you know, some of those game changing type plays. And we haven't seen game-changing plays from the Miami Dolphins in so long. And I, I don't want to sit here and kind of stall at the starting line for a little bit. But I thought that's why I think this is a good idea. Because what we saw on Sunday is a complete team effort. I still can't get over the fact that Jacoby Brissett was hit 14 times in that game. There were a lot of different aspects of this game that we can really bite into. So we each have three plays. We're going to try to get it done in 45 minutes. I doubt it, but we're going to try our darnest. Merrick, what's your first play? Play number one, we're jumping right into it here. Uh, play number one, I thought uh, Tua Tungavailoa's touchdown pass to Alec Ingold, uh, which tied the game at seven with six minutes and 13 left to go in the first quarter. I thought that was a, a very pivotal play. Um, Tua kind of steps up in the pocket. He's feeling the pressure a little bit. They kind of have a, a linebacker getting a free rush in his face. Uh, so he, he pump fakes, which you don't see a lot of from Tua. So I thought that was kind of unique and, and different and, you know, uh, kind of fun to see. So he, he hits the pump fake, 
Linebacker takes the cheese, leaves his feet, jumps in the air, puts his hands up, Tua steps up and, and kind of dumps it into the flat to Alec Ingle, the fullback, uh, who takes it all the way in for a touchdown. But along the way, Tyreek Hill actually made a really great block along the sidelines, um, which allowed Ingle to, to kind of dive in for the score there, which was cool because, you know, Tyreek Hill is a $30 million per year receiver. Uh, you know, receivers kind of get that rap that they're they're divas on the on the football field and and that they don't like to do the dirty work. Uh, you know, he wasn't, you know, putting his full force into somebody and knocking them on their ass, but he got in his way. He allowed Engel uh, the lane to get in there for the touchdown. And, and I thought that was pretty cool. It was a 10 play drive, took up six minutes of the clock and answered the Browns opening touchdown drive. Uh, and the Browns actually hadn't allowed an opponent to score on their opening drive, uh, at least a, a touchdown. They hadn't allowed an opponent to score a touchdown on their opening drive all season long. So the Dolphins were the first ones to do that, and it was that angled touchdown reception from Tua Tungavailoa that, that did it. So that was my first impact highlighter play this game. Josh, I want to ask you, as someone who watches all the film, um, before the snap on that play, both Tyree Kill and Alec Ingold are going in motion, and Tua's kind of sitting there. The way the play develops, you kind of feel like it's going to Ingold the entire time, just the way that both Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are down the field. They're kind of already set up to block. Josh, I got to ask you, do you think that was planned where, you know, Tyree Kill and Alec Ingold are going in motion? It feels like there's a little bit of confusion going on there that maybe Ingold, maybe both of them are at a place and they need to stop for a second. But, you know, all of a sudden, Tua pulls him back over to the right side of the line and the play goes perfectly. Do you think there was a little bit of uh, confusion there from Ingold, or do you think that might have been on purpose part of those ripples of the McDaniel offense? Man, that'd be crazy if that was part of the ripples, right? If he was going that crazy in depth, you know, Charlie at the mail. I mean, that was a great observation by you, Jake. I mean, kudos to Tua Tagovailoa for getting him corrected. So I don't know, um, you know, if that was designed that way, but it was perfectly executed. I mean, I don't know if Tyreek Hill's plan was kind of, you know, to lure the defense towards him. But my favorite part, like Merrick said, was him getting that block downfield and then Alec Ingold mm-hmm. being able to spike that thing. So um, I think it may have been going to Ingold all the way because wasn't that early on? Was that first down maybe? I can't quite recall, but I mean, they went for it, um, checked down. I mean, why not try to get some yards on that play? Beautifully executed, great play, great decision, Merrick, on your part. And just to kind of wrap up this play real quick, Miami scored on three of their four drives in the first half. Each drive went at least seven plays. Miami scored on all four second half drives before time expired on that last drive, uh, which I think that was Skylar Thompson. And Josh, what do you got for your first play? Yo, calm down. Oh, yes. I like that one too. Yeah, we got yeah, to <laughs> Fired be. up over here in the house all household. Right. Um, All right, for my first play, I had to pick that dot to Jalen Waddle. It was third and six, 48 seconds to go in the second quarter from the Cleveland Browns, 29-yard line. Some are calling this, you know, maybe Tua Tagovailoa's best throw. I don't know if I'd go that far, but um, the ball was on the far hash. He put this thing, you know, where only Jalen Waddle could make that grab. I'd kind of have written down and joked, you know, this thing looked like it was a missile-guided laser, perfectly executed. They got seven yards on the play. They needed to get – it was third and six, so they needed to get that first down there. It kept the drive alive. Showed off to a time by Loa's elite accuracy. You know, you hear about these quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, their superpower is that strong cannon of an arm. For Tua, it's always been that accuracy. We saw it on display, you know, all season long, to be completely honest. But this placement on this ball was just perfect. Great grab by Waddle. And then they followed it up three plays later. 32 seconds left in the second quarter. Second and two from Cleveland's 14. And that would have been the pass from Tua to Trent Sherfield. We all saw it. Back of the end zone. I won't even describe it. I'll let Tua do it. He said at the end of the game, on that particular play, it looked like a palms look where if Tyreek broke out, they would play cover two. And if not, they would play 
play cover four. So it really helped that Tyreek was also in the slot on that side. We didn't know if they were going to cloud or double or play cover four. I felt like he was squatting, so I gave Trent an opportunity. That was a big play for us. And again, all season long, Tua Tungvaluzman talked about how Trent Sherfield, you know, an impact player in the run game, making those key blocks. They wanted this touchdown for him. Perfectly executed. It was a dot. So what were your thoughts on that, guys? Because that play definitely stuck out, in my opinion. I think one thing that really stands out, first yeah. and foremost, let, let's start with the first play here. Uh, that that third and six on the out route, I think one of the biggest, I, I want to say, doubts people have had about Tua isn't, you know, throwing downfield. It's getting to the out routes. It's getting outside and, and kind of just trying to fire it in there. That was an ideal play. It was set up perfectly. Uh, Merrick, how do you feel about this? Because the only thing I think of, I have a play with Waddle on third down two. We had Jarvis Landry for, what, six years, and he was the third down king. But for him, it was always get the ball at the line of scrimmage and then break off 14 tackles in order to get it. I mean, it just seems like everything is a little refreshing this year. Yeah, and I love how Waddle runs those routes past the first down markers. You see a lot of these receivers run the route, you know, a yard or two shy, they get tackled. And then, you know, we run into a scenario where, We've had some trouble in the past, and I might get to this later with one of my plays here in the future. That's a little foreshadowing nice. for you folks. But, you know, like we've had difficulty converting those those fourth and one plays, those third and one plays. So Waddle always runs his routes past that first down marker. He catches it. He extends the ball out there. I thought that was great on his part and also great on Tua's part, you know, showing the arm strength to get it out there, uh, you know, on the on the right side of the field to fire it out there they always say that's the mark of a strong-armed quarterback and everybody knocks Tua for his arm strength but he looked pretty good there to me uh so I thought that was a fantastic play and, and I'm glad Josh decided to highlight that one and Trent Sherfield man he's just continuing to become such a big part of this offense one thing I'm really interested about and I don't, I don't know if you guys feel the same but it seems like Tua is a lot more aggressive at throwing at defenders who have their back to him um you know for years, we were talking about Tua and, and the lack of separation between the receivers and the defenders. I mean, that Trent Sherfield play, he was blanketed. I kind of even felt like when the defender dove, he actually pulled Sherfield's legs into the end zone to help him complete the catch. Um, how do you guys feel about Tua attacking defenses in the sense of we're not really worried too much about spacing and he can kind of figure out when a cornerback is looking at him and ready to make a play or if he can give his wide receivers a chance and the defenders are kind of struggling to react and find something to do. Tua is growing. Tua is maturing. Uh, you know, like you said, Jake, his first couple seasons in the league, that was kind of another knock on Tua was, oh, he, you know, he has to see the guy open if he's going to throw it to him. And you heard Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of say that in Tua's rookie year, though, that's something he needs to work on. You know, NFL, NFL open is different than college open is what you heard a lot during Tua's rookie year. So this is just another area uh, where Tua has shown major growth this season. Mike McDaniel has to get a lot of credit for that, helping to unlock this for Tua. Uh, and Trent Sherfield, man, like who needs a Cedric Wilson when you got a Trent Sherfield, right? Everybody thought Cedric Wilson was going to be that that number three target this year. And it's looking like a, a nice combination of River Craycraft when he's healthy and Trent Sherfield as well. So happy to have both those guys on the team. Yeah, and I, I, I do have to – sorry, Jake. I do have to mention Trent Sherfield did push off a little bit. Um, I think if you see, he like, kind of shoves the defender's uh, face mask. So, you know, we're Dolphin fans. I didn't see that. I didn't have that in my write-up. But like Merrick I think you're said, hallucinating. 
I yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. I could, I could be hallucinating for sure. But the anticipation that Tua's shown this year, you know, that accuracy again, uh, that thing was pinpointing. To your point, Jake, you mentioned how there wasn't much separation there. One of those next gen, you know, the little dots that they have that look like uh, Eureka's Castle. You know, they show where they're at, and they had he he looked like at one point the defender and you know um, Sherfield right on top of each other, like they got lost there. And so perfect pass from Tua. That was just a, a great play overall. And at that point, I think at that point the Dolphins went up what seventeen to seven. I think they headed into the half, and at that point. And it was pretty much over, right? At seven and three, I feel one of my favorite parts about this Dolphins team is in the past, there was always the break glass in case of emergency, but a lot of the time breaking the glass did more harm than good. It turned into a pick six. There wouldn't be good things happening. Uh, one of my favorite plays, one I had to pull out here was two to waddle for 15 yards on third and 10 with six minutes left in the third quarter. The big reason I bring this up is because I feel with Tua his first couple of years of the season, the down and distance were so important, especially when you're dinking and dunking in a way where someone's going to get tackled instantly. This came after two incompletions, third and 10, you're behind the sticks. For me as a Dolphins fan, that's when Ryan Tannehill gets sacked for a seven yard loss and the drive's over. That isn't what happened. How often, how often have we seen these third down conversions be completed? I mean, I mentioned Jarvis Landry being behind the sticks, but another group that I don't think is getting a nearly enough credit with the fact that Waddle is wide open in the middle of the field, is the offensive line. One side, Armstead takes County, pushes him right out of the play. Brandon Shell, no, excuse me. Armstead had Miles Garrett. See, they have two studs here, and they were completely both just neutralized. Armstead takes um, Garrett right out of the play. Brandon Shell does the same thing for Clowney, gives Tua enough time to find Waddle in the middle of the field between three defenders, and that's hey, that's where Tua makes his money. But to see that offensive line give him so much time let him kind of diagnose the play. That to me is really what made this play special. And one that's like, Oh no, like this is a dolphins team that nobody's lost. Everybody has their purpose and are pushing towards that first down. I think it's awesome that they've been doing that all year too. Like earlier games, the first couple games of the season, they would get in that third and long situation and your mind immediately goes to classic dolphins, you know, mm -hmm. play call there. Okay. It's going to be an inside draw. It's going to be a screen, a wide receiver screen. That'll get, you know, three, four yards and we'll punt, you know, just trying to buy themselves a little bit more space, a little bit more room, but that's not this dolphins team. And that's not Mike McDaniel style. You know, you saw that against the Buffalo bills, Jalen Waddle caught that 60 or something, 40 something yard bomb. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm just going off the top of my head, but that was on like a third and 16, third and 17. 22. Uh, when I they think were down third three and points, third and 22. Yeah, you're right. You know, and they were down, they were down a field goal in that situ situation and they could have called a screen or a draw to try to get them into possibly a, a scenario where they could kick a long field goal, but they didn't. And, and Mike McDaniel said, you know, throw it deep. Let's see what we got here. Either he's going to catch it or maybe there's a pass, or pass interference penalty. And we've actually seen that a number of times as well this year where they're just throwing it up to get, you know, pass interference calls and get a chunk gain that way. And that's where Mike McDaniel as a head coach differs from a coach like Brian Flores or a coach, you know, like Joe Philbin or, or even an Adam Gase where those guys wanted to play a little bit more conservative style of scared. ball and, you know, limit, mistakes and turnovers yeah they played scared and that's not what that's not how mike mcdaniel coaches this miami dolphins team they say scared money don't make money um which i don't even know what that means but i've heard it somewhere so i figured i'd repeat it on this pod for everyone's uh enjoyment but uh yeah i mean he he he's not afraid to to draw to dial up a play designed to get a first down even on a third and long and and that was another scenario that you highlighted there jake where it, it worked out it worked out well for the dolphins tua and jalen waddle
And I like everything about, you know, what this play entailed. I mean, you see the offensive line doing their job enough, you know, you see two is stepping up there and then making a night, another, you know, accurate throw in the middle of the field. Like you guys mentioned all season long, ice in his veins on third down. I'm glad you showcased this, Jake. And I'm even more glad that uh, I had time because I just went and just typed in two and waddle at house. And I actually found the exact yep. throw. So, uh, yeah, man, that was a big time play. And again, it just shows you late in games, you know, when the Dolphins need it most. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, you know, to his passer rating on third down, the con the conversions they consistently pick up. Uh, it's just such a breath of fresh air, like uh, you guys both mentioned, from those offenses we've been accustomed to in the past where they might run a draw, you know, on third and long and maybe settle for a, a field goal that they'll end up missing. Uh, Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins, they go for it every time they're out there. And uh, in this situation, game, you know, kind of on the line, they executed perfectly. Good play, Jake. And I just want to say this one last time, the interior of the offensive line on this play is absolutely impressive. Robert Jones, or excuse me, Robert Hunt sprints backwards to help block Clowney because he kind of figures out nobody's in front of me. That must mean someone's behind me. So it's good to see that vision. And then too, you have Robert Hunt literally just standing there waiting for someone to come. And there's four guys blitzing to it. Nobody is even an arm's length of him. So a really refreshing sight, a really consistent team. And most of all, I, I can't think of a better way to describe third down than Mike McDaniel doing party tricks. Just how simple it is for him to get a third and 15, third and 22, third and 10. It doesn't matter. He's got to play for all of them. Uh, we're four plays in. Josh snuck in two there because uh, he's that's Josh. A, but Yeah, that's the way I roll, right? <laughs> exactly. So, Merrick, how, how about you get in here with your second? I'll tell you what. We focused mainly on uh, offensive plays that went well on Sunday against the Browns. I'd like to bring up our first defensive play. Uh, this was... Zach Sealers forced fumble late in the first quarter, 20 seconds left in the first quarter to be exact. Xavier and Howard recovers and the Dolphins, you know, steal some points off the board from the Browns because this play actually happened deep in uh, Miami's territory. The Browns were driving. Nick Chubb took the took the handoff and Zach Sealer was able to, to rip the ball away from him. And I believe they said on the broadcast, I didn't double check this because who's got time for that. But that was Nick Chubb's first fumble of the season, I believe. Uh, and Zach Sealer caused it. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, and, and when I look at that, when I look at that play, I wonder if that kind of changed the course of the game and almost had a butterfly effect on Mike McDaniel's play calling going forward. Because at that point, late in the first quarter, the Browns had kind of marched down there for their opening score. They got a pretty easy touchdown. And this was on their second drive after the Dolphins had, had equalized. The score was tied seven to seven. And the Browns were driving once again and, and driving the field, uh, getting down the field pretty easily. And so the Dolphins get this turnover. They keep points off the board. They're no longer uh, in a scenario where they're losing uh, to the Browns. The Dolphins aren't losing to the Browns. You know, the Browns would have got a field goal, possibly even a touchdown. So you're down 10-7, 14-7, whatever it may be. And the Dolphins get the ball back. And for the rest of the game, we saw – a an emphasis on running the ball and getting Jeff Wilson involved. He had, a, you know, only a second game as a dolphin, but one of the best games from a dolphins back all year, 119 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, and Raheem Mostert added eight carries for, I think 65 yards and a touchdown himself. That's a really damn good rushing day from this Dolphins offense, best we've seen all season, almost 200 yards on the ground uh, between those two backs. And you have to wonder if the Browns once again take the lead there and they've shown on two consecutive drives that they can score as easily as they did 
with that first drive being an easy touchdown and the second drive looking like it was going to be another touchdown. Instead, we get the turnover uh, and we're able to focus on the ground game. You have to wonder, I'm sure it was still early. They wouldn't have abandoned the run altogether, but you have to wonder if maybe McDaniel is thinking in the back of his head, oh no, here's my defense again, can't stop anybody. Let's throw the ball 40 times uh, and let Tua take care of this. And I think it was really important that the Dolphins unlocked their running game this game because they proved to us as fans, but they also proved to themselves that they are capable of doing this. And this is something that championship teams need to be able to do. They need to be able to uh, run the ball and play good defense. So we got a good defensive performance this game, but we also proved we can run the ball, which is going to be paramount when they go on the road, in Buffalo in December, in New England in December, uh, and possibly, you know, make the playoffs and have to travel to Kansas City, Baltimore, uh, Buffalo, wherever it may be. In those cold weather cities, in the wintertime, you need to run the football. And the Dolphins proved they could do it this past Sunday. And I, I, I highlight this defensive play because I wonder if we would have even seen this great game on the ground without Sealer's forced fumble and Xavier Howard's recovery. Sealer's the most underrated player in the world, in my opinion. So I, I love that you showcased this one. I felt like that might have been my third. I was going to go with it, but I already stole so many from you guys. So I'm glad you brought that one up because I do think, you know, if this was a video game, Merrick, to your point, and, you know, they had that little momentum meter at that point, you know, Zach Sealer reaching out there, knocking that ball free, you could definitely see it shift. And at that point, you know, the game kind of turned tide. So I'm um, glad you sat there and broke down this play. Um, Jake, what are your thoughts on that Sealer fumble? Zach Sealer and th this Miami Dolphins defense, guys, I think one of the shocking things about it, 2019-2020, uh, they were still giving up a lot of yards under Brian Flores. That was never the type of defense they are. They're a team that's focused on making you blink, making you flinch, making you doubt yourselves just enough to force that one turnover. Uh, this is a Dolphins defense that is currently turning opponents over, I want to say, 0.8 times a game. And, and to me, you got to think that's going to start rolling back in Miami's favor. And it really only does take one turnover where you can, as Merrick said, take that lead and warp not only your own game plan and Cleveland's as well. To wrap up this play, I do have a quote from Javon Holland that kind of does speak to this, where he said, we're just a one play at a time organization and you've got to just attack it for what it is. And that's really how you see it on both sides of the ball. Next play kind of thing. Obviously, this is a group that doesn't stress. They have given up a lot of third and longs. They have gotten into situations where they give up a lot of points. But at the end of the day, it is a team that has gotten enough done to get some wins. Uh, Merrick, you made an interesting point where you said that the Dolphins offense proved to themselves and to us that they could run the football. Hey, how about upcoming opponents? If I'm, you know, the, I don't want to be the Texans. If I'm the Chargers, if I'm the 49ers, and I'm worried about facing this Dolphins team, it's Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. But all of a sudden, you have a 100-yard rusher, something that has only happened twice this season for the Miami Dolphins. That is why I want to talk about Jeff Wilson when he is sitting at 99 yards. This is Miami Dolphins. This is their fastest drive of the entire game. One play, a 20-yard touchdown that pushes Jeff Wilson to 119 yards on the game. Tyree kills the convoy that ends the one-play 20-yard drive. We mentioned it earlier. Just seeing Tyree kill downfield, celebrating, being a part of the group has been such a, such a refreshing sight. Uh, this is just kind of that complimentary football that we're really starting to see out of the Dolphins. This came right after a sack. And then all of a sudden, boom, touchdown to kind of just warp the game even more in their favor. Uh, two questions here. Uh, one, first and foremost, just seeing Jeff Wilson, Tyree Kill, all of them celebrate. Is there any team that has better vibes than the Miami Dolphins right now? And, and two, 
Oh my God, Tron Armstead is fantastic to run behind because as you see every big play open up, it's going to that left side behind him. Gotta love Tron Armstead. Do you guys listen to his rap songs? I haven't. I have not. <laughs> big T-Stead <A> fan? <laughs> I haven't either. It's, it's Josh is pals with him though, so I assume he does. Yeah, yeah, Josh, more Josh, yeah. You're pals with everybody. You got Thomas Morstead on your Twitter. Is Twitter's that gonna, Twitter's gonna end. Twitter's gonna end someday, so I gotta get it all out now. I got I got the Instagram followers. We can just change my Instagram to an Instagram for this podcast. How's that sound? We can Genius. do that. <laughs> Let's do it. Give us the password. Yeah. Galaxy brain move. yeah, I'll give you the password. You can post all the videos on there and everything. We'll be good to go. It'll be fine. Just uh stay out of the DMs. <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> but yeah, no, Teron Armstead, uh fantastic addition to this team. Uh, you know, Jeff Wilson, man, like I just I had a feeling that the trade for Jeff Wilson for a fifth was going to end up being a really big steal for this Dolphins team. Just the fact that, you know, he's familiar with the system. He's familiar with Mike McDaniel uh, and he comes in and he's allowing Raheem Mostert to, to keep his legs fresh for this playoff push. And, and you're right, Jake, upcoming opponents, future opponents now look at this Dolphins offense and it's not a one dimensional offense. They can hurt you through the air. They can hurt you on the ground. Uh, and if this defense rounds into form and, 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 you know, we, if we ever get Byron Jones back, who man, like it's not hyperbolic to talk Super Bowl around the Miami crazy. dolphins. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I know we say it every week, but you know, right now it's where we're at it's seven and three, one of the best teams in the AFC, one of the best teams in the NFL. I think uh, we didn't even talk power rankings, but a lot of those came out today and dolphins look to be top five in almost every single, uh, Every single grouping there, so that's exciting. And yeah, she's stoked. Yeah, she's no, she it. she's not. She is fussy as hell. That's why uh, I I didn't make sure I was getting ready. Oh, uh, she must be a Bills fan. No, absolutely not. No way. She, she's seen the best <laughs> offense team I've seen in like what? That. Like she's seen the best offense team that we've seen in what 20, 30 years. So she's getting lucky. Crazy. But um, to your point, guys. I mean, this Jeff Wilson trade has paid dividends for the Dolphins. You got to shout out Trent Sherfield on that play. I mean, he sealed off the linebacker opening up that hole and to jake's point i mean he said about uh the vibes i don't think there are better vibes in any uh than what we have here in miami i mean you see two at the end of each play doing what i think the cool kids are calling the smees i think that's what he called it at the end of the game uh you got uh mike Skisicki's gritty that's just epic so um no jake the vibes are not better than what we have here in miami today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And Jake, we're talking about this Jeff Wilson run, but that would have never happened if it wasn't for this fourth and seven sack with seven minutes and 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter. I have written down that Cleveland was kind of driving. I don't think they were uh, necessarily driving there. Sealer was lined up at nose directly over the center. To his right in the B gap was Jerome Baker, who was standing up. His assignment was to cover Kareem Hunt out of the backfield and then lined up on the right edge a few yards off the ball was Bradley Chubb. He puts a nice spin move on the left tackle where the damage was done was on the left side where Melvin Ingram and Jalen Phillips were lined up. 
Jalen Phillips was lined up between the guard and the tackle. We know he does a lot of damage there. Guards just can't handle him. He kind of goes over, takes the tackle out of the play. Ingram stunts around and gets his sack. Again, turnover on downs, and then him, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, they get up and do that uh, little celebration that they keep doing. I know you guys saw him doing it in the locker room. So, so much fun. Uh, Churn yeah, butter, baby. Churn awesome butter. play, and again, it led to that Jeff Wilson touchdown one play later. So that would have been my third and final play. If I dip guys, uh, it's because the baby needed me or something. <laughs> I kind of want to build on that because this this was a very fun play to see. Um one of my biggest concerns about this Dolphins team is getting to the quarterback, getting those sacks. Obviously, we've seen the pressures. We've seen the quarterback hits. But, hey, just seeing a third and 10 compared to a third and 17, they're completely different animals. Uh, Barrick, I want to ask you, the Dolphins are getting to the quarterback for two sacks a game uh, right now. That's about 21st in the NFL. Last year, they were flirting around 7th, 6th at 2.8 sacks per game. Uh, how close do you think Miami's going to get back to reaching that number now that you have someone like Bradley Chubb involved? Obviously, Emmanuel Agba out, that hurts. But you kind of feel like or you kind of hope we're kind of talking ourselves into this Dolphins defense, taking a taking a turn, turning the page, becoming a lot better. So how, does, how are they going to finish out? Uh, they're certainly trending upwards. I actually saw a stat online. I wish I remember who tweeted it out so I could attribute it to them. So I'm sorry for this. But over the last two weeks, small sample size, but it's important because we've had Bradley Chubb on the squad for the last two weeks. But the Dolphins, when just rushing a base four package, uh, so not sending a blitz whatsoever, they are pressuring the quarterback on 44% of the opponent's dropbacks right now, which would rank number one in the NFL over the last two weeks. And again, that's important because those are the only two weeks that Bradley Chubb's been a Miami Dolphin. And last I checked, he's uh, contracted to be on this team for like the next half a decade. So, uh, you know, him on one side, Jalen Phillips on the other, you got Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins and Melvin Ingram. And uh, I mean, this is a solid team. Andrew Van Ginkle actually has been playing really well as of late, and he'll have to continue to do so because unfortunately the Dolphins lost Emmanuel Ogba for the year with a torn tricep. But, uh, you know, like I said, they are trending upwards uh, as far as being able to pressure the quarterback. And uh, that, again, is another component to a, a Super Bowl, a championship caliber football team is getting to the quarterback with a base rush. Uh, and the Dolphins in particular need that right now because their defense has morphed into a more traditional style defense uh, with the fact that Byron Jones hasn't been available. So that takes pressure off of your defensive back group. Uh, really happy with Bradley Chubb's production as of late, Jalen Phillips' production entire, you know, for the entire season. And I think it's going to continue to get better, better as we move along. Second and five from the Cleveland 41. Hey, don't tell anyone, but it's like we actually prepare for this show. Uh, Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb combined for a sack. It was only a four-man rush there, too. Uh, Landon Roberts is on the running back. The second he stays in the block, you see Roberts just kind of fly right into that hole where he's really good, where Roberts, if he can kind of put his head down and run in a straight line, that's like the Kiko Alonso effect, baby. No one's getting by him. Uh, but... So Roberts is clearing up the running back, who I believe was Cream Hunt at the time. And Wilkins just keeps his lineman uh, locked up. It's the right guard at the time. And you see him start to kind of push his legs back. Obviously, he doesn't beat him right away, but he wins the play in about two, three seconds and starts charging towards Jacoby Brissett. So what does Brissett do? He starts bouncing to the outside, trying to work around Wilkins. At the same time, Bradley Chubb is bursting to the outside. And to me, man, this is where it gets exciting is... We've had these fears about these rushing quarterbacks, but if you can have something happen where you have Wilkins, Zach Sealer, these 
stout defensive linemen burst up the middle and the quarterbacks have to focus on them, they're not going to hear, they're not going to see those guys coming around the edge. And Jacoby Brissett did a great job of protecting that ball from Chubb because he had a clear shot to rip that ball away and turn up possession over there. And to me, Merrick, you mentioned it, their ability to get to the quarterback with just rushing four has been special. This technically is five because uh, Roberts did come in uh, once the play started. But man, this is a defense that needs to start getting to the quarterback and we're starting to get that vision. Josh, are you still yeah. here? Yeah, oh, yeah. No. Cat and the baby are playing for now. There's so a cat I'm... now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I got everything going on over here. That's why I, I still know how we get some of these podcasts done some days. Is and there any fear man. about Agba? Just in, in general, obviously he he's having a step back season in a sense, but I mean, he has been a cornerstone of this defense. Obviously the flashy plays haven't been there, but I still feel he's been pretty consistent as one of those guys on the defensive line. Um, Panic meter. Are we scared at all about this at all? Or is it something that we feel that with the addition of Chubb, um, maybe Trey Flowers comes back. This is something they can kind of overcome as the season goes on. Yeah, it's certainly manageable. Ogba, like you like you mentioned, having a down year. I think he had a, a really good game against the Ravens and then kind of mm-hmm. nothing else. So, uh, you know, thank you for your contributions against, uh, against Baltimore this season. We're not going to see any more Emmanuel Ogba, but the trade for Bradley Chubb, um, Andrew Van Ginkle playing at a high level, getting Trey Flowers back, which Mike McDaniel confirmed would happen um, just today or yesterday. He confirmed that would happen this season. I think that'll mitigate the loss a little bit. Uh, and, and I think this defense will be okay without Ogba. I do think it's crap. What is it? I'm probably going to butcher how to pronounce his name, but Ben Stilley, the guy that, uh, you know, the defense oh, you got it. on the practice. Did I? Wow. Surprising. You're so stilly, Josh. Yeah, I'm so stilly. But they uh, got poached by the Browns. He would have been a guy that they may have called up to help with this Agba loss. But um, like Merrick said, you know, you got Trey Flowers coming back. In my opinion, you know, when they made the trade for Chubb, you know, when they signed that long-term deal, I mean, that kind of spelled the end eventually, right, of Emmanuel Agba. I don't think they can pay both these guys that crazy number. So, um, you know, maybe this well, was the Agba's defense. under crash. Ogba's under contract for at least one more year, and it doesn't look like it, they can kind of get out of this one without a pretty large cap hit. So I how think how long wasn't it like a four year deal though? I mean, if it's only one year, three. that's not okay. So maybe maybe I'm just off with it. But either way, I think Bradley Chubb long term. Yeah, I think most of the guaranteed money hits next year, so he's probably likely to stick around for at least one more. So now the focus becomes his recovery and getting him healthy and back ready for the start of the next year. Um, so I think you're you're I don't want to say stuck with Agba because he is a good player when he's healthy and to be fair if you go back and look at these injury reports and I do as the fake ass doctor of this program but if you go and look at these these injury reports all season long I mean he's had every injury in the book we're talking shoulder knee elbow now a tricep and it's you know probably hindered his performance as many injuries as he suffered but now he'll be on the shelf he'll be able to get himself right and and hopefully we'll see him back next year full strength uh, four-year deal, and they do have an out at the end of 2024. So I guess that's what we're looking at, according to Spotrack. We, I think we've done a pretty good job. I'm not a math guy, but I think we're through eight plays, and Merrick has one to finish it up. And I like to see think of this as like the uh, – this is the palate cleanser. It's a little down, but Merrick, what do you got for us? <laughs> You know, like I can't, I can't just, we can't be positive all the time. Right. Like maybe you guys can, that's not really my personality. So I, I that's why one, we have you on <laughs> just to bring the mood down and piss everybody off. So <laughs> That's what the people uh, want. They want to be angry. It's 2022 after all, but uh, I, I will give you one play where I thought there was an area of opportunity um, and the dolphins fell short. And I think that's become kind of a, 
a theme for this Dolphins offense this year is these short yardage plays. And I mentioned it earlier and I knew we'd get to it, but these short yardage plays, these third and ones, these fourth and ones, Mike McDaniel, he is a creative genius on offense, except when it comes to the third and one and the fourth and ones, he just wants to run it up the gut every time. And I don't blame him. You should be able to do that. But for whatever reason, even though the Dolphins had a fantastic running game against the Browns on Sunday, they just couldn't get it done. Uh, you know, in the second quarter, there's two minutes and 13 seconds left. They're driving, they're deep uh, in opponent's territory. We get to a third and one. I'll give you two plays here. We get to a third and one, and Durham Smythe takes the direct snap, which I thought was kind of unique. You know, Tua's checking his his uh, play call sheet on the wristband there and, you know, acting like he doesn't know what's going on. And then Smythe tries to sneak it. It doesn't work. So we get the fourth and one. And I just wish we could see some sort of play action, a rollout. Maybe Tua takes a naked boot and is able to run for the first down himself. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. They handed the ball off to Jeff Wilson. Gets the, a loss of a yard, turnover on downs. Um, this is just something that this offense needs to work on. I don't know how they're going to correct this issue, but I don't get paid millions of dollars to figure that out. So somebody else who does should probably work on that. Um, but I will say one positive, one silver lining of this play. When you watch Tua mic'd up for the 10-minute the video the Dolphins put out on YouTube yesterday, uh, after that play was over, over Tua went directly to the newcomer, Jeff Wilson, picked him up, and he said, that's not on you, that's not on you. And I think that shows great leadership skills from Tua Tungabailoa. He is a leader of this team. Uh, and, and, you know, to, to pick somebody up like Jeff Wilson, a newcomer, uh, and make sure he knows, hey, don't feel bad about this play. We need you going forward. And sure as hell, what did Jeff Wilson do the rest of the game? Oh, we just ran for over 100 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, if he would have reacted differently, got mad at, you know, this player, that player got mad at Jeff Wilson, maybe we don't see that big rushing game from Wilson. But so I, I, I brought you down a little bit, but then I gave you that silver lining to bump you back up right before we head off here. And the biggest question with that, I'm just going to rip this right into an outro. The biggest question with that is just wondering how much of this is uh, strictly filmed to, for others or if they're doing everything, everything they can to empty the chamber and do all their plays and get all the first downs. That's going to be something interesting to watch as we go. I don't know how much time we have left, so I just want to thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next time, but for Jake Mendel, for Barrick Brave, for Joshua Health. You guys, make sure you watch the Twitter spaces on Monday nights, and most importantly, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, fins up. part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one.